0: Let's turn to two passages this morning. I'm going to read, first of all, from Matthew chapter number 28. I'll read from Matthew 28, where we've been for uh, many weeks now. Uh, And then we will read from 2 Timothy chapter number four, Uh, if you want to find your place there. uh, Matthew 28, then 2 Timothy chapter number four. And we will be turning to several different passages once we get into the message this morning. And uh, so uh, if you want to be ready for that, but I want you to keep your Bibles open this morning. And uh, today we conclude this uh, study series on the Great Commission. And I believe it's been very helpful to us. And then today, Uh, This morning and then tonight, uh, these two messages, I think, will put a a good ending on this, some good reminders for you and I. uh, This morning and then tonight as well, will just remind us uh, why we spent the time on the Great Commission. what's, What's the purpose of the Great Commission? Why it's important that we focus on the Great Commission, and I trust that we'll be helped today. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, we've read this many, many times. You could probably quote it by now. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This is our resurrected Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, before He ascends back to heaven. He gives this commission to the church as threefold, to win the lost, to baptize converts, and to disciple or to teach, train them uh, in the things that He has taught. That is the responsibility that He has left to His church. And so uh, we've been reminded of that this morning. uh, I want us to look at 2 Timothy chapter number 4 as well. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And I've been telling you the weeks leading up to today, we're going to preach on the motivation of the Great Commission. I want us to see in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, we're going to read a fairly familiar passage of Scripture in verses 6 through 8 of 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And verse number 6 reads, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Of course, this is the Apostle Paul uh, writing this letter to Timothy. Verse 7, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. We're going to take this passage of Scripture and, of course, the Great Commission, and we'll look at a few others this morning. But I want to talk to us this morning about the motivation of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a worthy cause to live your life the great Commission is the command that Christ gave his church it is the focus of the church say so, well I know a church does not focus on that it's not his church His church is focused on the Great Commission it might have been his church at one point but maybe it's lost his way you and I need to stay focused on the great Commission and today we're going to get some motivation now we preach this message because let's be honest we're not always motivated to do the right thing We don't always feel like doing the right thing. And sometimes it's just a matter of God said we do it, we must do it. Truthfully, that ought to be enough. But there are motivations for fulfilling the Great Commission. Father, help us today as we consider the truths of your word. We consider the command that you've given your church, the importance of it. And Father, may we be challenged today, may we be reminded I pray once again that there's one unsaved. Today who'd be their day of salvation. And Father, use the message today to remind your church of the importance of what we do, the importance of fulfilling this commission that Christ gave. May be reminded that uh, there is coming a time when we will give an account of what we've done with this great commission. And Father, I pray that your church will be helped today. May we make decisions that need to be made. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. From a prison cell, the Apostle Paul writes his last letter. The letter addressed to his son in the faith, Timothy, gives insight to us of Paul's mental state when he came to the end of his life. He was ready. He soon would be led to the executioner and his life would end. As we think of the life of the Apostle Paul, you must think in terms of the Great Commission. Paul was the church persecutor the Christian killer who met Christ on the road to Damascus, where he was en route to afflict more of these Christ followers. It was after his salvation, a man named Ananias approached Paul that was vital in the growth of this new convert. Soon after he was approached by Ananias, Paul was baptized and grew in his new faith in Christ. Paul would then spend his remaining years teaching all nations, Establishing new churches through conversions and baptisms. He would then teach them to observe all things that whatsoever I have commanded you. Even someone like the Apostle Paul at one time had to be saved. He had to follow the Lord in a believer's baptism. He had to be taught. He had to grow in the things of God. From preaching the gospel on the steps of the temples of false gods to inciting the anger of the Pharisees, Paul never wavered from Christ's commission. Paul's ministry was one of hardship. He had no income, just the occasional side job and the benevolence of his ministry companions. He was in prison several times. He was beaten several times. He was stoned and left for dead. Many of the brethren opposed him. The religious crowds hated him, and pagan businessmen tried to destroy him. In all of this, what was Paul's motivation? Why did Paul continue to win others to Christ? Why did converts such as Lydia insist on baptism after conversion before offering assistance to Paul's ministry? Often in Paul's writing, he references the resentment toward him due to his teachings on following Christ. Why was he so loyal and so determined to fulfill the Great Commission? We find a summary of Paul's motivation in the last chapter of the last letter before his death. We read it just a moment ago. For I am now ready to be offered. and the time my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And by the way, you can't keep the faith without keeping the Great Commission. Right. Henceforth, because of all of this... All of this, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. What was Paul's motivation of staying loyal to the Great Commission? Paul's motivation was simple, Paul's motivation was eternity. That which came when his race was done and his final breath had been taken. That's the difference in the Apostle Paul and many Christians today. The Apostle Paul did not live for today. He lived for that which would come after his life. He was loyal to the Great Commission in the days he had because his life was limited and there was an eternity. What carried him through the rejections? The beatings, the imprisonments, and the hardships. It was eternity. Why did he use every ounce of energy and give his life to fulfilling the Great Commission through Christ's church? Eternity. Likewise, you and I should find the same motivation. Why do we sacrifice? Why do we give of our time to the church? Why do we go out and give the gospel to our communities? Eternity. Why are we confrontational with the Great Commission? Eternity. Why are we faithful to Sunday school, Wednesday night Bible study? Eternity. Why do we give more this year than last year? Eternity. Why do we grow and expand our ministries? Eternity. Why as a church do we stay focused on the Great Commission and not social issues? Eternity. Why did Jesus commission his church to win the loss, baptize converts, disciple new believers? Eternity. Friend, the Apostle Paul, in all of his hardships, kept focus on the Great Commission, Christ's commission, because of eternity. He could say, I'm ready to be offered because he had done right by eternity. He had done right by the Great Commission. He had done right by his responsibility to the church that Jesus founded him he found his motivation why was it after he was beaten and he was threatened and often left for dead at the moment he was set free from that prison why did he go right out and preach the gospel again because there's an eternity friend why should you and I how should you and I find our motivation i'm not telling you today that this is mainstream this is right But it's not mainstream. The religious crowds don't like the preaching that we've had in the Great Commission. It requires sacrifice. And sometimes, let me just say it as good of a church as this is, Pastor, why are you pushing us? Pastor, why are you asking for more? Pastor, why are you wanting us to sacrifice? My friend, it can all be summed up in one word, eternity. There is an eternity that will reflect after you and I have taken our last breath. Pastor, the pictures on the wall are nice. Those buildings are are nice. But by the time we get there, I'm probably not going to be here. Well, let me tell you what can reflect in what we do. Eternity. Let's look at some motivation we can find for fulfilling the Great Commission. Because quite frankly, as I've already mentioned, we don't always feel like it. We don't always keep our eyes where they should be. But I believe if you and I would take these four reminders this morning and we would take note of them, keep our eyes focused on them, we could find the motivation to stay faithful to the Great Commission. Now this morning, I don't know of anyone who's been beaten for giving the gospel. I don't know of anyone who's been left for dead because uh, they, they, they taught that Jesus Christ was the resurrected Savior. Now, there are places in this world that takes place, and I'm not saying that can never happen. But what I'm saying is, in the midst of what we go through, we must find our motivation for fulfilling the Great Commission. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. I'll ask you to move quickly this morning, and I'll give us a moment to find the Scripture, but then I'll continue to keep things moving We find a motivation for fulfilling the Great Commission by number one, Christ's sufferings. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9, we're reminded, but we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. We're reminded in this verse of Scripture of Christ's suffering. We know that when Jesus gave that commission, he had died on the cross. He had uh, been placed in that tomb. He was resurrected from the dead. Let's make no mistake this morning, while he was on the cross of Calvary, he suffered. Right. Yes. He suffered death for every man. He suffered the punishment for death of death for every man. He endured the sufferings. I would encourage you, we don't have time, obviously, today, but to read the Gospels and the account of the suffering of our Savior. Friend, Jesus suffered and died for you and me. He suffered and died so that we could have salvation. Boy, as best I can, I can go back to a child and all the times I I, I heard the, the story and the account of Christ's crucifixion. I got saved right after hearing the, the story again of the crucifixion and I felt the conviction and I, and I, and I, and I, and I related to the sufferings and it, it moved the heart of, of a child knowing that Jesus was willing to suffer in my place. Friend, because Christ suffered, that's a story that the world should be told. That's, the, that's a story that Man should know because of Christ's payment on Calvary, we must let all know. I'm thankful this morning that I'm saved. I'm thankful this morning that I'm on my way to heaven. And that's only possible because of what Christ did. It's only possible because He was willing to go to the cross of Calvary. It's only possible because He was willing to be nailed to that cross. It's only possible because He endured the beatings and the, and, and the blasphemy and all that He endured by being nailed to that cross. He suffered for man. Friend, you say, well, pastor, I don't always feel motivated. And it's summertime and you're trying to motivate us to do some more and, and go some more and give some more and, and be a part of more. And I got to be honest with you. I just, I just don't find the motivation. Well, friend, let me just testify. We all find our places there. We all can end up there. But, friend, think just a moment for what Jesus did, not just for you, but for the entire world Our neighbors need to know that Christ suffered for them. He died for them. He paid their sin debt. Our family needs to know that Christ suffered for them and He endured our chastisement so that man might be saved. All over this world, man needs to know of Christ's suffering. If Jesus would suffer for me, I can follow His command. What motivates you? But what should motivate us is what Jesus did for us. If salvation was of works, which it is not, how hard would we work for that salvation? What's evidence of that is how many people in this world are trying to earn their way to heaven. They're trying to work their way to heaven. You can do all the good works in the world and you can stack them on top of each other. It won't get you one step closer to heaven. It's only through the grace of God. But Jesus did not ask us to work for our salvation. But because we're saved, he commissioned us to tell others they could be saved. He commissioned us to tell of Christ's sufferings. Our motivation, number one, should be Christ's sufferings. Number two, if you look at Hebrews chapter number 12, if you turn over just a few pages, a few chapters to Hebrews chapter number 12, Motivation, we can find motivation for fulfilling the Great Commission, and number two, the reunion in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we're reminded, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We're reminded in Hebrews 12 that there's a great cloud of witnesses. Who are those witnesses? It's those who have gone on to heaven before us. It's those who are already in eternity. Well, how, how, oh, I don't know how to say it. I'll just say it how it comes in my mind, which is a dangerous thing. How sorry we are as Christians. Well, I just don't feel like. Doing, being part of the Great Commission, well, I just don't think that's for me. You realize that while we're running our race, the Apostle Paul, who endured beatings, who endured sufferings, who, who, who was left for dead, uh, who lived his whole life to give to the Great Commission, the one who took the gospel to the Gentiles so that you and I could have salvation, who we owe a debt to, you realize he's in that cloud of witnesses. There are those, there are the loved ones who have gone on before us who we're reminded are part of that cloud, that group of witnesses, and there's going to be a reunion in heaven. Yes, when, when we either take our last breath on this side of eternity, or, or that trumpet were to sound, and, and Jesus were to call his, his children home, one way or another, there is going to be a reunion in heaven. We're going to see our saved loved ones. We're going to see all those who've gone on before us. Our family, our friends, those who we serve the Lord with. There's going to be a reunion. I I don't know what motivates you. I'm just trying to tell you what motivated the Apostle Paul, I believe. What motivates me. There are people I pastored who I'll be reunited with in heaven. Say, Pastor, what does that have to do with the Great Commission? Well, I want them to know that their pastor is still busy in the Great Commission. I want them to know that it's still a worthy cause from my perspective. We have loved ones who... Who are in there? I have a, I have a mother who's there. I have a daughter who's there. I, it's important how I run my race. There are those in heaven who are cheering for us to live a clean life, to live a holy life, to honor our God, but with the purpose to reach others with the gospel. You compare that to the rich man in hell who said, would you send somebody to tell my brothers, would you send somebody to tell my family that hell is a real place, that that they need to hear the gospel, they need to believe on Christ. Friend, the other end of that spectrum are those in heaven who would say, hey, we cannot describe to you how wonderful it is here. You must tell others that they can be saved, they can be forgiven, they can have a home in heaven. We must find that motivation, that reunion in heaven with the saints of old. I don't know if this does anything for you, but I think of, I've already mentioned the Apostle Paul. And I feel unworthy because of the Lord. But I can kind of write that off and say, I'm not God. He is. He remembers I'm but dust. He knows of my failures. He knows of my faults. That's true of all of us. There's no way I can reach His standard. Then, when you look at what others have done for the cause of Christ and those saints of old, the Apostle Paul, others that we read of in Scripture, well, there's going to be a reunion in heaven. Oh, let this speak to you this morning. In the reunion in heaven, there's going to be our converts people God has allowed us to lead to Christ. Let me issue a challenge, and this is going to get more poignant as the message goes on this morning, but I believe when we leave this side of eternity and enter into eternity, we see our Savior. And if we saw no one else, it'd be worth going to heaven for But I believe we're going to see our loved ones. I don't know how it's exactly going to happen, but I believe our loved ones are going to welcome us to that celestial city. Our loved ones are going to welcome us to that place called heaven. I believe the saints of old. I believe believe we'll know who they are because we'll have the mind of Christ. I believe we'll know. But it's like, well, here's the Apostle Paul. And, and well, we've had our Sunday school lessons on Joseph and say, there's Joseph. And you think about, I think about all the times, the couple of times I've been able to go to Israel and you see these sites and this took place here and this took place here and this took place here. What an amazing experience that is. But to actually enter into the presence of our Savior and be like, well, here is Joseph and here is Paul. Paul, and here is this, this old saint and this is this person that we read of in scripture I believe those people are going to welcome us into heaven are you going to have any converts welcome you in heaven are you going to have anyone who you shared the gospel with them God used you to be that human instrument to give the gospel. Now, I know man doesn't do the saving. Man doesn't even do the convicting. Man just does the going. Man just follows the, is obedient to what God has commanded. But I believe in my whole heart, every convert that we've ever led to Christ is going to welcome us into heaven. We're going to be reunited in heaven with those who we've led to Christ. See, friend, that's why it's important that you and I are motivated by the Great Commission. Uh, We're going to see those that we've been fortunate enough to lead to Christ with the gospel and I do believe there's going to be introductions in heaven and say and for example hey, we're going to meet those in heaven that, that come to us and introduce themselves and say hey I was saved uh, through through one of the churches that, that 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 you participated in in buying the property for on the continent of Africa and I was saved because you you, you gave your mission dollars and I was saved because because you put gas in a bus I was I was saved because you taught that Sunday school class I was I was saved because uh, you were faithful to give the gospel i believe we're going to meet people and we're going to have no idea who they are and say you left the track on my door you never saw my face you never had a conversation with him but you were faithful to give the gospel as christ commanded i believe there's going to be a reunion in heaven of those who got the gospel because of our efforts so the question is how many converts are going to be part of that reunion all converts will be part of that reunion, but how many do we have our, the fingerprints of our life on? Because we were faithful to the Great Commission. Number three, turn with me to the book of Revelation, if you will. As we think of eternity and we think of the motivation we can find for fulfilling the Great Commission. In Revelation chapter number 20, we read one of the the most sobering passages in Scripture. We come to the end of times, if you will, and the things that will take place. In Revelation chapter number 20, there's a wonderful thing that takes place, and that's when the devil is cast into the lake of fire. And what a day that's going to be for our adversary to be, vanquished but in verse number 11 we read of the great white throne of judgment and that's the third thing i'll mention today that we should find motivation for fulfilling the great commission and i saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In eternity, there's the great white throne of judgment. This throne of judgment is not for the saved man. This is not for the convert. This is not for the believer in Christ's payment on Calvary. We get a glimpse and we get an understanding of how horrible of an event this is going to be. That great white throne and Him that sat on it, the Lord Jesus Christ, and from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, there'll be no blasphemy shouted at the Son of God at that day. There'll be no deniers of Jesus Christ that day. There'll be no offering of excuses that day. The scripture says the earth and heaven fled away, and all will be brought to stand before God, and they'll be judged by their works. You say, Pastor Neil, is that where you take all the good works and you take all the bad works? The Bible tells us that all of our works are as filthy rags compared to the goodness of God. We have no good works other than through our salvation. And those, the record of our sin and the record of our wrong and the record of our unreconciliation to God and our rejection of the gospel and the refusal to trust by faith what Christ had done and all those who never knew the Lord and those who have rejected His Son, they'll be brought up. But in verse 15, And whosoever was not found, written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Friend, let me tell you, if you can't find motivation over what Christ did for you, which we should, if you can't find motivation of the fact there's going to be a reunion in heaven, friend, let me tell you this morning, hell is a real place. Hell is where those who refuse to accept Christ will spend an eternity in torment, Forever. There is an absence of God, but it's not just an absence from God. It is suffering in anguish for our sins forever. Friend, we must stay motivated for fulfilling the Great Commission because eternity is a long time to be separated from God. Eternity is a long time to suffer for our sins. Eternity is a long time to experience the torment of hell. Experience is a long time to be cast into that outer darkness. We must stay motivated for fulfilling the Great Commission because of the great white throne of judgment. The church has gotten so apathetic when it comes to the souls of men. Christians have gotten so apathetic when it comes to the souls of men. We must fulfill the Great Commission. Why? Because of the great white throne of judgment. I want you to think just for a moment of what it would be like to watch your neighbors at the great white throne of judgment. The one who lives down the road for you, that from you, that every once in a while you nod and raise a hand. So, Pastor, I don't know if they're saved or not. That's the whole point. How about your coworkers? Even those you, you, you really don't care for. It, this is not something you would wish on your worst enemy. The suffering in a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine family being called before the great white throne. Oh, if we would keep the great white throne in view, I think we would be a little more tender-hearted towards the Great Commission. If we kept the great white throne in view, we'd be a little more concerned with the souls of men. See, Pastor, every once in a while you, you make your comments about don't get too distracted by the politics and don't get too distracted by this and that. Why do you say that? Because hell's a real place. Because it's more important whether somebody, when they die, is going to go to heaven or hell than it is whether they registered as a Republican or a Democrat. Now, that that all has its place, but the point I'm trying to keep us focused on as a church is the Great Commission, giving the gospel, seeing people saved. What is our motivation? There's a great white throne of judgment that one day lost man will stand before. Then number four, I bring us to the last one. We find it in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5. We read one verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5. And the fourth thing we can find motivation, the fourth way we find motivation for fulfilling the Great Commission is the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is a letter written to Christians. The great white throne of judgment is for the unbeliever. It's for the man who dies lost in their sins. The day is going to come they're going to be called up before that great white throne. The... This sea is going to give them all that's died, all the different ways that that those that are are burning in hell, that rich man I referenced, is going to be finally called up before the great white throne. The lost will be judged. They'll have no answer for their sin. They'll have no answer for their lost condition. They'll be cast into that lake of fire for eternity. Friend, aren't you thankful for your salvation? But you'll never have to face that. You'll never have to experience that. Because it's the blood of Christ that speaks on our behalf. It's by His righteousness we are judged. It's His account we are judged by. And oh, if we had to give an account, all we would say is is Christ's blood has paid for my sins and I've been made white as snow, but that record is already in heaven. What we see here is Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 10 for we must all, all Christians all the saved, appear before the judgment seat of Christ Paul writes of that crown we read of, of righteousness that the righteous judge shall give it's much better to be at the judgment seat of Christ than the great white throne of judgment we, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Our fourth motivation we need to find for fulfilling the Great Commission is the judgment seat of Christ. Just as there are no exceptions to the great white throne of judgment for the lost, there will be no exceptions for the redeemed for the judgment seat of Christ. We are not going to give account of our sins at the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus took care of our sins. Jesus paid the price for our sins. Well, think back to when you trusted Christ and you put your faith, you accepted Christ as your Savior. When you were saved then and saved for all of eternity, there's nothing you can do to be unsaved you're not going to give an account of your sins at the judgment seat of Christ or at any time. But what we will give an account for is what we did with the life that God gave us after our salvation. We're going to give an account of whether or not we use that life to honor Him. Let me be more specific. We're going to use... We're going to give an account of how we used our life in obeying Christ's commands. We're going to give an account of how we used that life as a child of God, as the redeemed, as the forgiven, of how we used it in obeying Christ's commission. There's a lot of those who would say, well, the church today does not matter. The church has never matter when it comes to your salvation. Nobody has ever been saved because they were a church member. It has nothing to do with your salvation, but it has a lot to do with the Great Commission. It has a lot to do with honoring God with your life. It has a lot to do with, with learning and growing as a child of God and honoring the first day of the week. It has a lot to do with just obeying what Christ has commanded. If we are going to give an account, we're going to give an account of what we did in obeying His commission. There's those today who say, well, I don't think that matters anymore. Well, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and it does not matter what your opinion is, it does not matter what my opinion is, because Christ will be the judge. He will be the judge of whether or not you and I used our life to His honor and glory. He will be the judge of whether or not we we were obedient in having part of the Great Commission. What did you do with Christ's command? What have you done with what He commissioned you to do? It will matter more in eternity how many converts you had than how many likes on Instagram you get. It won't matter how many followers a preacher on Twitter had, but how many souls were saved. It won't matter how much was in your portfolio, but how much you invested in heaven. It's time we as Christians are reminded not just about the great white throne of judgment where lost men will be judged and cast into hell forever, but are reminded of the judgment seat of Christ where we will give an account of our time, our talent, our treasure, how we use that for the church. Well, pastor, I just feel like I'm giving everything to the, to, to the church and, and nothing for myself. Well, friend, let me tell you something. There's a balance there that we must hold to, but what we're going to be judged by at the judgment seat of Christ is what we did for eternity. Let me tell you where you're going to get an acknowledgement for that that sacrifice you put in the offering plate at the judgment seat of Christ. Let me tell you where you're going to get an acknowledgement for the time that you give in participating in the Great Commission. Whether you knock on that door yourself or whether you come down and watch the baby so others can go or whatever part you have in it, you'll get an acknowledgement at the judgment seat of Christ. But friend, let's be honest. There's going to be a lot of Christians who's going to be a little awkward at the judgment seat of Christ because you're not going to know what to do with yourself. Because you lived your life for yourself and not for him. You lived your life for what you could get down here and not for what would get you to get over there. You lived your day selfishly and said, this is my life. I'll use it for what I want to use it for. I'll pursue what I want to pursue. I'll invest in what I want to invest in. But friend, the day's coming when we'll all stand at that judgment seat of Christ. No, you won't give an account of your sins because Christ already paid that penalty but you will give an account of your life. You will give an account of your church attendance. You will give an account of your church attendance. You will give an account of your church attendance. You will give an account of your giving. I'm, I'm going to always put, this is what we want to do out there, and I'm going to try and motivate us and put a little bit of pressure, but I'm not, I'm not go combing through the record seeing who's given and who's, who's not given because there's a greater judgment coming, and you'll be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Right. How many more missionaries could get to the field if God's people yeah. Yeah. would invest in the Great Commission? Yeah. How many families could be helped If we just obeyed the great commission, that is when we receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You can justify what you do with your life, but when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ, you can't hide it from him this is where I'll be, I'm going to be very, very pointed and pointed on purpose. You can't take back what you promised God you'd do. Well, I was emotional and, 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 and I just don't think, well, I was there when you surrendered in many cases. I was there when you promised God. Well, I, I, Well, nothing's happened to me. Oh, but you're going to stand empty-handed at the judgment seat of Christ. After being witness to those cast into hell who might could have been saved if somebody had cared enough to reach them. If somebody had cared enough to, to knock on their door, if somebody had cared enough to follow up and see if they would grow, maybe their, their family, whole family would have gotten saved. If we had just been faithful to the Great Commission, there's some who would be spared the judgment at the great white throne. But then there'd be the opportunity to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and said, I didn't have much to offer you, but what I had, I offered you, Lord. I, I did, I'm unworthy of, of salvation, but I'm grateful for you saving me. No, I didn't do everything right, and I stumbled and I failed, and I had my faults and my failures. And and, and Truthfully, I wish I could go back now and relive some days and do more because I see how much more I could have done for you. But I did give you some of my life, Lord. I I did did sacrifice for you. I was faithful as I could possibly be. And there will be that acknowledgement of what we did for the Lord. Not so we take that crown and put it on our head and then walk around in glory so everybody can see yep i used my days from a child yep i made good use of the days that god gave me after salvation well i i was busy for the lord and the Great commission. I I drove that bus for this many years. I I worked in this ministry for all of these years. And I stood faithfully and preached for all these years. Look at how shiny my crown is. No. There'll be that acknowledgement of that judgment. So then we have something that we can lay At his feet. That representation. That's how I do something for you. I didn't make those sacrifices for me. There's a representation. Of every message I ever preached. That I did for you. There's a representation of every prayer I ever prayed for the lost to be saved. Here's a representation of every door that I knocked on, of every dollar I put in an offering plate, of every sacrifice of my time that I took away from myself. And yes, I could have retired ten years earlier if I hadn't given as much as I gave to your church. But I have a representation now. Representing of all that I did. Not for me. Not even for that pesky pastor who always pushed us to do more. But I did it for you. Now here's a representation of my life. My shortcomings. My failures. my Even when I failed to do what I should do. But I have something that I can give back to you. See, friend, you and I forget the investment that we make in the life of someone. But heaven has a record. Heaven doesn't forget what we do for Him. And one day we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and I want to have something to give back to Him. Well, it's saying thank you for saving me. Oh, we ought to praise Him and we ought to thank Him. It's going to be... It's going to be a wonderful thing to be in His presence and to be able to say, Thank you, Lord, for saving me. But how much better? How much better to be greeted at that reunion day by souls that you gave the gospel to, by people who you cared enough about to invest in a ministry, to invest your time, to those who who received the gospel because you gave your life as a young man, as a young lady, to give your life, the one life you have to God, and not use it to try and better yourself, and not use it to make a name of yourself, but to give it to God so that others might be saved. Say, well, Pastor, I, I don't feel called to preach. I don't, I don't feel called to the ministry. But what a great opportunity to use your life just to see how many people can get saved, how many people can hear the gospel, how many people can come to know the knowledge, of the, of the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. With that judgment seat, there'll be something to say, I used my life for you. As Paul writes about that crown, if you're not careful, you'll miss it how he writes it. It wasn't about the crown, it was about the one giving the crown, it was about the righteous judge who we deserve to stand at that great white throne and hear those words, depart from me. I never knew you. But because of the Lord Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made for us, and because somebody was willing to tell us, somebody was willing to go so that we would know, somebody cared enough that we received the gospel, Oh, in the sacrifices that he made. So, well, Pastor, it just seems like in the day we live in, if we're gonna be all about the Great Commission, just doesn't make you very popular. Well, friend, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong place if you're looking for popularity in this world. Well, it just it just seems like I don't I don't have any we don't, there's time that we can have and there's things that we can do and life just goes away friend i'm not telling you there's not sacrifices in doing what i've been preaching these many weeks i'm not telling you there's there, there's vacations that you have to trim but you, you, you're not gonna have to trim back a little bit i'm not telling you that there's there's days and hours that you that you're gonna have you're not gonna have to give up i'm not telling you any of that I'm not telling you that, that, that he's not worthy of a holy life, but it's that clean vessel that the Spirit of God empowers and enables to do more. I'm not telling you there's no sacrifice. I'm just telling you it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it by the people who know Christ because we gave them the plan of salvation, because we preached the gospel to them. It'll be worth it that day we are in his presence and we all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I'd rather be there and have nothing to give than not be there. I don't know how much the thief on the cross is going to have, but I think he's going to be happy to be there. I've had the privilege to Lead people to Christ moments before they took their last breath. They didn't have a lot of time to be involved in the Great Commission. But they're going to be happy to be there. I'd much rather be there with nothing to give than not be there. But I'd much rather be there with something to give than just to be there. To our young people, to the teenagers, to the young adults. God has given you something that there's many in this building that wish they could have. You've been granted an opportunity to do more for Christ. To have more to give than those that were saved later in life. Don't squander it. Friend, you have a... God's blessed you by bringing you to the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Not every church is about the Great Commission. Not every church is going to be focused on that which Christ commanded. In all of our imperfections, all of our failures, we're about one thing. Winning the lost. Baptizing them. Teaching them to observe all things that Christ commanded. Well, Pastor, I don't know why I should still be involved in the Great Commission. Because one day, how about Christ's suffering? He went all the way. How about that? Reunion. How about those witnesses who were faithful? Those witnesses who, quite frankly, some will be the converts that we led to the Lord. How about the great white throne where lost will be called before an almighty God with no hope, of escape from eternal damnation. Remember that with each person you encounter today. Remember that with the people you interact with this week. There is a great white throne. How about the judgment seat of Christ? I use my life to obey your command. Just like you choose salvation by free will, you choose how you're going to serve God by your free will. Those who say, I, I don't have to be saved if I don't want to be saved, that's true. But Judgment Day is coming. And no cute little saying or no popularity is going to keep you from the fate that awaits those that die without Christ same is true for the child of God. Judgment day is coming. Not to judge you for your sins. Christ took care of that. But to judge you for the life that God's given you that belongs to Him. To judge you by how you use your life. There's no greater way to use your life than investing it into the souls of men. Investing it into those so that they can fulfill the Great Commission as well. Father, I pray that you would use the message this morning.